Game one, Celtic Sixers is tonight. Time for a crossover with Locked On Sixers. What are we thinking? How's Embiid? How's Harden? What's the one thing that could cost the Celtics this series? It's all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rainy J's, how it started, raising banners, how we finish. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device. If you are subscribed, so open up that podcasting app, hit that subscribe button. You new listeners, welcome aboard. Regular listeners, welcome back. I love you for being a regular daily listener. Uh, you can also watch the show on YouTube. Hop into the comments section there. Let us know what you think about the show, about the team, about whatever. Subscribe to the YouTube page. I'm John Corrales. I used to play ball once upon a time. Now I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. And today I am welcoming the hosts of the Locked On Sixers podcast for a crossover preview. And this preview is brought to you by Prize Picks. Today's episode brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can get a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. PrizePicks.com, promo code Locked On. You could also win a million bucks. I'll tell you about that later on. So let's get into it uh, with the hosts of the Lockdown Sixers podcast. Big, long crossover preview that's coming up right now. Let's go. All right. This is going to be a lot of fun because this is the matchup that a lot of us have been waiting for. I'm John Corrales, obviously host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast with the two hosts of the Lockdown Sixers podcast, Keith Pompey, Devon Givens. Uh, How are you guys doing today? Doing well yourself? I'm doing great. Welcome to rainy Boston, Keith. Uh, yeah, this is rainy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rainy Philly too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not, lots of rain up and down the east here. So, um, this is this is fun. You know, Sixers Celtics. This is always a fun series. I am very much looking forward to. I, I say it all the time on my podcast. Going to Philly for Celtics Philly on the road is my favorite road environment. The hate in that building is so <laughs> intense. I I love it. I just love it. It's it's and it's genuine. It's really genuine. So uh, this, this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun series, um, and hopefully a good series. Um, but I guess the definition of good depends on the fan base because I think Celtics fans have, they'll say, yeah, I hope it's a good series. I hope it's a good sweep. So let's let's start with the conversation here. Um, for you guys. The, the number, it all starts and ends with, is Joel Embiid going to be healthy enough to play? So, Keith, you you know, you had video of him shooting around uh, at the uh, practice facility. What are you seeing from him? You know, it, it's basically like D, D, was, D was there, and um, D was like saying, look, Keith, he's going to play. I mean, he's going to play. Now, to me, I'm not 100% sure that he'll play. But he sure looked good. Now, again, he wasn't cutting. He wasn't doing this. He wasn't doing that. But um, I, I kind of think personally that he feels like he has to play. I mean, just because he's probably going to win MVP. And a lot of people in Philadelphia are saying, like, look, Joe, 
if you don't go out there and play, then it's going to take away from what you did in the regular season. I feel like that we're going to see Joel Embiid in this series. If it's not game one, definitely game two. I, I think that we're going to see him out there playing. Like, And you saw the video. He looked okay. Now, again, he wasn't cutting, but he looked okay. <laughs> yeah. D, what, what did you see? Because, okay, I, look, just put put the rivalry aside, put everything aside. LCL sprain, I see all of the things about, you know, fears of if it's a grade one, you play and you, you land on it wrong, that's a grade two or grade three or worse. Is there a fear that, you know, hey, look, we appreciate you saying you want to play and all of that stuff. I'd be afraid of, like, that getting worse. You play a game two and all of a sudden he's done for the series. Well, I guess the number one thing I'll start with, John, is the fact that Keith and I being at practice all week, what, uh, three, four, four days of practice, maybe five that we saw, and he wasn't there any of the other times. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we saw him from afar, maybe doing some workouts, but nothing basketball-related, no basketball-related activities, more of strengthening and whatever training that he had to do to stretch out that knee. That's what he was doing. So that was number one for me. And then number two, as Keith talked about it, you saw the video, is he's out there while he may not be cutting and he may not be running. He was jumping, of course, with his jump shots. And all of that stuff will take over when take place that he has to do once he's in the game. He had no brace on. Uh, maybe that was something that was calculated by the team and himself not to have a brace on and just have the normal compression sleeve that he has oftentimes. But I just looked at it as this. Game three, he had 14 points and 10 rebounds against the Brooklyn Nets in round one. Sixers won. They swarmed him the entire series. Maybe, John, you saw it from afar, how they were defending him mm -hmm. and double and triple teaming him every time he got the basketball, forcing the ball out of his hands and allowing his teammates to beat them or saying, hey, you guys beat us. And they did. But what he said most importantly for me was after the game. There's something that I, Keith and I talked about, which was he mentioned how everyone expects him to score 30 plus points. I even think Keith asked the question in the press conference, but uh, to score 30 plus points in, in every game. And, and that's how he wants to play. And he said, no, I, I like to play this way. I like the fact that we can play this way and still win. If I, whether I have 30 or whether I have 40, four, uh, as long as we get the win and we play the right way, I'm good. Now, as much as I've been around Embiid and Keith even more than I, I don't believe that 100%. However, he said it. So when you say something like that, you put it out there. Now you're going to be criticized if you don't play the way uh, that you need to. So with him not being 100%, he can't be 100% if he's not right. All right, cool. So if he's out there and he's 80%, but he's doing whatever Joel Embiid needs to do to help his team win, they're still going to defend him the same. They're still going to make him pass the ball. They're still going to throw double teams at him from time to time. Is he going to make the right play to help his team win? Mm -hmm. And to your question, again, with all of that, as long as he is out there, oftentimes we look at players and say, if you're not 100%, you're, you're only hurting your team. In this case, Joel Embiid is going to help his team if he's able to play at even 80% because of the presence that he is offensively and defensively and just simply trying to win the basketball game. See, I file that quote under, I don't believe you, you need more people because I don't think that he's going to play ball, uh, play a game without trying to drop 30 or 40 not on the Celtics not not you know this is to me 
as personal a series as it gets for Joel Embiid. You got the Al Horford factor. You've got the fact that the Celtics have continued to beat the Sixers. Um, I don't think that Embiid is going to sit there and be happy to pass out of double teams and say, okay, hey, I'll let Tobias Harris beat you guys. I'll let George Nyang beat you guys. Um, and even though it's a homecoming for Nyang, I just don't think that's going to matter for him. But to be honest, I don't think it's even a matter of how he plays on offense. I, I like how the Celtics can defend him. And I think the Celtics are going to be fine generally saying, hey, you want to drop 40? That's fine. We're going to hold the rest of these guys to under 60 and we'll try to outscore you. For me, if I say, okay, Joel's going to play with a bad right knee, I'm going to put Al Horford on the right wing. I'm going to have Joel spaced out and I'm going to have those guys drive left and say either Joel is going to have to push off that right knee to get over and help and see how quickly he can do it. And that's going to make it harder for him to get back out to Horford and Horford's going to have a big series, or he's not going to be able to push off that right knee. He's not going to help, and there's going to be a parade to the rim, and whoever the ball handler is is going to have a big series. So tell me if I'm wrong. My biggest thing here from a Boston perspective is if Joel is limited, it's the defensive side where I think Boston can take most advantage. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I mean, the thing is, like, the thing, like, and, and, and you know, D is right. And you're right too. D is right saying, look, dude, if you're if you're just happy to be a teammate and do that, then do it. But we all know that this is the Boston series. And we all know how Boston basically says, okay, Joel, you can score as many points as you want, but we're just going to frustrate everybody else and shut them down. And then on the defensive end, that is true. Like, I mean, I look at it, you know, and we we gotta be real. Like the best way that Boston defends Joel and they get it is by getting their bigs in space. And a lot of times they hit threes and they do stuff like that, and he doesn't want to come out there and cover. But, yeah, if that knee is messed up, you do have to challenge him. You do have to drive the lane and see if he can get over. And if he can't, it's, it's just going to be – he he may – I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to hinder his teammates because he is by far the best rim protector that they have. He's also the best presence that they have, the best player. But at the same time, you know, let, let's face it. Like this is people are trying to win championships and they're going to attack it. And I do believe that that is going to hinder him because if you as good as Joel Embiid has been offensively, his defense to me this season has been the thing that really stood out and has been extremely underrated. I mean, people forget that this guy comes up clutch and 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 that is going to have a huge impact on the 76ers. So, all right, let's uh, let's take a second here. We'll uh, we'll get back to to more of this conversation. Um, I'll let you guys maybe ask me a couple of questions here about the Celtics. First, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, and every day of the NBA playoffs into the finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. It's the one million dollar daily super flex promotion here at Prize Picks. One entry placed after 8 a.m. will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. You correctly pick all six million dollars coming your way. Five correct picks, it's 80,000. Four correct picks, it's 16,000. You got to go to prizepicks.com slash million for full details and to opt in. 
So opt in there at prizepicks.com slash million. Once you opt in, you, all you have to do is play daily fantasy sports against these projections at prize picks like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. So download the prize picks app, go to prizepicks.com slash million, sign up to play daily fantasy sports. If you're a first time user, you can get hundred percent instant deposit match up to hundred dollars with the promo code locked on. So whatever you deposit up to $100 prize picks gives you that same amount up to hundred dollars. Don't forget, you have to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. Let's bring in the hosts of the Locked On Sixers podcast again to continue this discussion. Obviously, tomorrow's podcast from both sides of this will be a post game podcast, post game one. So, everybody subscribe. And I would encourage Sixers fans, Celtics fans to listen to the other podcasts to get the other side's take because it's interesting perspective. Don't sit in your own echo chamber, listen to both sides. So you can get the takes. Um, all right. So along with Embiid, I got to ask you guys about James Harden because he's been limited too. And if he can't get to the rim and finish a layup, if his Achilles is bothering him or if he's, if he's limited in any way, that takes away a guy that can make up for whatever uh, Joel is lacking and obviously gives another target out there defensively for the Celtics. So what's, what's – um, What's Harden's deal? Well, on Sunday when he spoke post-practice, he spoke about whether it be plays or not plays at 100%. Something that he needs to do is simply be aggressive. And that's the approach that he has. Uh, having these days off, having this time off, the rest most importantly for Joel Embiid, but also for himself and his teammates. They may not have wanted to stay away from the court in meaningful games uh, this long. However, they had no choice, but he did talk about, again, just being aggressive. And one of the things that he did struggle with in that first round matchup against the Nets was uh, his twos. And that's inside three-point line with his driving and finishing. And even some of the jump shooting that he did take uh, didn't hit enough of him. And he can get away with that against Brooklyn. It may not be the case against this Boston Celtics defense. And he's going to have to be one of the guys that really steps up and has a much better series, similar to what we saw last playoffs in the second round against the Miami Heat, where he didn't fare all that well. So in this one, he is going to have to, against some really tough defenders, we know there are multiple, up to five on the wing that they can throw at him. And we'll see how he goes, uh, how he goes about his business in this one, whether it's being more of a distributor. He's t- he talked about it again on Sunday, being a scorer, being a distributor throughout the entire length of his career. And he also hasn't seen a defense uh, out there that he hasn't been able to figure out. So I'm very curious to see myself, John, what he does, because we all know whenever it comes down to Joel Embiid and you move past Embiid, it's going to go to James Harden first for most people, not only locally, but nationally as they pay attention to the Sixers and following their success or lack thereof. And James Harden's going to have to be a big piece of that. So sure, he can knock down his threes. The ball's going to have to move. He has been averaging a double-double all season, finding his teammates scoring 20 and, and 10, close to 11 assists all, all campaign. That's something that they're going to have to do, but he has to finish at the rim. He has to finish inside the three-point line as well as shooting whatever he does, whatever percentage clip that he does from behind the three-point line. Finishing in close is key for this basketball team. And if he misses, he's got to get back on defense. Can't, like most <laughs> around the NBA, can't be putting his arms up and looking for a foul every time he has to get back. 
I'm just going to say this. I'm a little concerned by James Harden's statements today at practice. I mean, yesterday on Sunday at practice, because, you know, all that stuff sounds good. And, and we look at James and we re, and we think of uh, ISO James. But it seems like when James tries to be extremely aggressive and, and does the over dribbling and and tries to look for his own shot, um, they struggle. I mean, they do. James right now in his in this stage of his career is better as a distributor and getting people involved. And, you know, so now if he's saying aggressive driving and kicking, I understand that. But if aggressive, it means he's going to be out there in ISO over dribbling and doing all that stuff and firing up shots. I, I think Boston's going to run him out the gym. I, I just do. I don't think he can get past the guys. And for one thing, and then secondly, I, I just think that guys are just going to be on the corner, like waiting to get the ball. And then when they get it, it's going to be late in the clock. So, you know, I, I to be honest with you, D, I didn't like what I heard. I mean, I just didn't. That's why he's a pro, because he, he answered it, but he didn't tell us how aggressive or what that aggressive meant. He just said aggressive offensively. So if he's looking to score more aggressively, and it's not working, then yeah, of course that's going to be that's going to go against the 76ers. But to your point, if he is looking to be aggressive and continuing that way of having that eye for his teammates, getting them some better looks, that will obviously work as well. So I, I'm with you. If if he doesn't, he does it too much, and it's not working. That's going to be a problem. So let's get to the nitty gritty here. I just don't know, like at full strength, everybody 100 percent. No questions, no nothing. I still feel like the Celtics have the advantage. I feel I feel like the Celtics have the matchups. I think they know how to defend Embiid. I think that last game where he had 52, they didn't defend him with, <laughs> with more than like 20% of what they would normally use. So um, I, I feel like there's, there's a plan. I think Horford is one of the guys that's uniquely able – to single cover Embiid, not stop him, but bother him. And then the Celtics can do their variety of double teams. And there are guys you can double off of, even though the Sixers generally shoot the three well, there are guys you can double off of. Um, they dig when he puts the ball on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the only thing that you can hope for from Embiid is that he gets hot from like he did in that game and hits a bunch of jumpers. And and maybe steals a game for you. I now with the injuries steal a game, steal a game huh? Yeah, because <laughs> right. because honestly, my I I don't know I don't know I I don't th think the the Sixers can win the first two games in Boston. I don't. Um, and if Embiid misses one of them, I definitely don't. Um, if he's limited at all, I definitely don't. And I think that puts a lot of pressure because then you're going to have to win four out of five. And that's going to be hard to do. So I'll put, it, I'll put it to you this way. Let's flip it. Who guards Jason Tatum? Who guards Jalen Brown? Uh, I'll answer that. Tobias Harris has done a good job all season, John, to be honest with you. and that's, He's not a defender where we talk like that. But watching the four games that they've played, he has not played great in, in, in those games. Tobias Harris has done a good job. Now, does he carry that over to the postseason? I can't answer that. Uh, but from what you talked about as having the success that the Celtics did have against the 76ers, 
that's my answer because that's what we saw uh, more so. Now, I would probably start off with P.J. Tucker there and have Tobias Harris on Jalen Brown uh, if I was the coach, but it may go the it may go either way. But to answer the question, uh, Tobias Harris, can he slow him down? I don't know. I can't say that in the postseason, but I do know that he did farewell during the regular season. It's, it, I'm gonna tell you this, John. Me and me and uh, D, we don't see eye to eye a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I listened. I listened to the last the last one where you guys were talking about the Sixers in the Celtics matchup, and I I got that sense for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. we don't we don't see eye to eye, and like I I think this is a tough. I think this is. Oh, I didn't say it wasn't tough. I no, just no, said, yeah. I just answered the question of who. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. see, the one thing that we we gotta see. This is the thing, and I'm just going to say this, and 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 we. Again, I love my man D, and I think we're great with each other because we don't see eye to eye, right? But the, the thing that concerns me for the 76ers is, like you said, they were doing a dummy defense against uh, against the Sixers that last game when Embiid had the 52 points. Right. To me, they didn't even start trying to play until the fourth quarter when they said, you know, we can steal this victory. And then they <laughs> – then um, they, they come in there and they got guys grabbing rebounds left and right, and then they just ran out of clock. The problem that the 76ers have right now is that Boston has essentially two starting lineups, right? So, so the one thing is we talk about the first lineup, and then the second lineup is kind of like – and the first lineup is Robert Williams, right? But then the second lineup is what if you go with Derek White? Mm -hmm. So then we talk about this is where the problem is. Now, first of all, I don't know if Al Horford can guard Jason Tatum right now. I, I, I just don't think that. But then if you slide Jason Tatum to the four and then you got Tatum, um, Derek White and Brown, I think now you're going you're in trouble if, if MB doesn't play. I think you're in trouble. And, and I, I think be because. You're like saying to yourself, well, who are we going to guard? And then when you go to a smaller matchup, a smaller lineup, and let's say you go small ball, and then you bring in Malcolm Brogdon. Like, dude, mm -hmm. that's where they get in trouble at. So my thing is, yeah, you can you, – I mean, you can be competitive, but I just don't think they have enough wing defender defenders. Now, we talk about Tobias, right? Tobias good. You also talk about De'Anthony Melton. We talk about uh, Jalen McDaniels, but I think that they're going to seek out whoever that weak link is out there. And that person could be Harden or Maxi. They're going to get them in a lot of actions. And that's the one thing that concerns me against this Boston group. Yeah, I think I think the Celtics have choices. Um, and, and this is this is one of the strengths because. It's almost like a silver a silver lining to a bad situation with Robert Williams' injury, the the surgery that he had, the second one on the meniscus that cost them the first almost 40 games of the season. They were forced to start Derek White, and it just kept working. Um, and and I think Joe Mazzula, more than uh, Ime Udoka, likes playing that five-out style. I think Joe is more of an offense-first coach, even though they say – Defense that they've been focusing. The guys have been saying they, they've been focusing much more on the offense this year. But they they can they can spread you out. You know, you you start a lineup with Marcus Smart, um, Derek White, Jalen Jason, and Al Horford. Well, you're spreading the floor, and I would assume 
you have Harden guard smart and, and try to sag off him and dare him to shoot. I think one of the things that we saw in the last game against Atlanta is this emphasis on, you know, get, get to the rim, get to the middle of the floor, Marcus Smart. And when you double, if you want to throw doubles at Tatum or doubles at Brown, you got Smart in the middle of the floor at the free throw line. Well, now he's operating in a position, position of strength because he's good in that area. He's good getting to the rim. He's good kind of in that five to 10 foot range, reliable offensively. And I just think that once somebody, once somebody like Harden is beat and you have to scramble, and if you don't have Embiid to protect the rim, that's, that's going to be tough. I, I, I just think that's going to be a tough ask for, for the Sixers. Yeah, but you know, the one thing that I will say, though, is I do think if the Sixers have an edge, I think, you know, you've been around Joe Missoula a lot, but I just think that he might make some rookie coach mistakes in this one. Sure. And I think Doc might pounce on that. Well, I mean, I have heard the discussion and, you know, I know there's a lot of criticism of Doc um, and, and there's some jokes going around about, oh, we finally have a coaching advantage. Um, and and that, that might be true. But again, I guess I guess the coaching advantage would be based on making an adjustment. So we have the base lineups here, all right? You have your starters. Boston has their starters. And you go at it. And then one of the coaches has to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this. You know, maybe I'm going to play – I don't know, something to Paul Reed and Joel Embiid together. Let's play. Let's do that. Let's see what we got here. Or let's, let's go with some other lineup here that we didn't see during the regular season. We didn't expect the thought process there is that doc has that in his bag and Joe and and Joe Missoula is going to sit there and be like, Nope, we're going to go with the same thing. We're going to go full, you know, Budenholzer and like, no, we're doing our thing and we're not going to change. And that might happen. Honestly, I don't know that the coaching advantage is so great that it'll swing a series. Maybe it'll swing a game. Um, and I think from game to game, Joe Missoula is okay at adjusting. I think in-game might be an issue. I don't know how much of a feel he's, he's, he's grown to, um, to have to a point where third quarter to fourth quarter, he has like the magic bullet. But I think from game to game, he might be like, okay, if I see this again, I've seen the film. Now here's my answer. And the problem is with, with Embiid and Harden limited at all, what bullets do you have? What, what are the things that you have that Joe Mazzulla is going to have to look at and say, oh, I don't know. I don't have the answer. Well, the, the one thing that you, that you both mentioned, and especially you, John, there at the end was, the in-game stuff. It's not necessarily the day off to make the adjustment. It's what's happening in the moment. And having seen it, or as as you said, you listened to our, our podcast and just reading stuff and paying attention to Boston the way that, that we do, then yeah, you know, you've, we've heard that there are a lot of things that Boston fans may not necessarily like about Joe Mazzulla and how he goes about things. Now, if he goes small and he decides to make some of the changes, as Keith talked about, they are the Celtics are five deep off the bench when they run in a new lineup. So there are going to be some some adjustments. Is there anything that Doc Rivers can throw necessarily personnel-wise? Maybe not necessarily because I agree, like Keith said, that the players coming off the Boston bench are uh, more 
more talented and a, a better group overall than the Sixers. So that's where the coaching comes into it uh, of what the players can do and what position the coach puts his players in to make sure that they have a successful run out there. So it, it's more in game than anything uh, for Joe Missoula and how Doc Rivers may have that advantage. Yeah, I mean, if I guess the key would be for for Philly to keep this thing close, and that that's going to be where where the coaching advantage will 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 come in. I I guess my thing is I, I don't know. I, I think Boston has so many advantages that at this point, like there there might be the the biggest thing you have in your favor is Boston, as I've said a million times on my podcast. Boston does not do well with prosperity. The worst place I think sometimes for Boston to be is up 15 with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter because then they're going to kick back, relax, try to run out the clock, and that's when you guys get to make a run. That's the thing that I'd be watching for because I think the Celtics can go up 15 in the fourth quarter. But do they are they their own, their own worst enemy? And is that a point? This is where Joe Mazzullo, the weakness is. He tries so hard to let these guys figure things out that he doesn't do things like there was a situation in the Atlanta game, the, the, the game four, game five that they lost, where it was a simple use it or lose it timeout. They had gone on a little bit of a run. He called a, he called a timeout. Minute and a half later, the run was continuing. You have a use it or lose it. He doesn't call that, and that's something where – just give those guys a little rest. Just it doesn't matter about letting them figure it out. Just give them a little rest. Give them an opportunity to regroup. And, and those are the situations where, when things start to fall apart for Boston, that I don't know if he can get that back. So, I guess the point is with Joe Mazzulla, it's never quite over with with the Celtics, and it's never quite over with him. So, if there's if there's a coaching advantage, that that would be it. Yeah. I'm just going to say something like you keep saying you guys and I, we don't work for six. I, mean, I know, I know yeah, I'm saying, right. I know, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, you know, Philly Boston, vernacular. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. I know. I, no, that's all good. Well, I didn't want yeah. people thinking you had two homers on here. No, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't, I, it's my own. No, nah, it's, it's in my own yeah. head that I say yeah. it like that. Um, but yes, I do have uh, a question though, because you, as you sound, you sound very confident that the Sixers, especially with Embiid, of course, we understand that, uh, don't have much of a chance. And if you haven't gotten to a number in the series yet, but I can only guess that of what that one would be. Uh, but it's saying how do, it basically, yeah. Uh, how, how, that's exactly the number I was going with. Uh, how, how, do, how do Boston Celtics fans look at the 76ers? Are they remotely worried about them, uh, even with Embiid on the floor? Because you know, I have a theory that while we worry about the Celtics and the Bucks. The Celtics and the Bucks worried about the Celtics and the Bucks. That's correct. You're correct there. There's zero, I think, there the concern level on the Boston side is minimal at best. Mm. Um, I think, and and look, this could be something that could be an overconfidence. Now, obviously, fans can be overconfident. I as a podcast can be overconfident. I'm not out there playing. The question is whether the players are overconfident. Um, because let's face it, history has shown that the Celtics have had a ton of advantages over Embiid and the Sixers. They, they have won multiple series. Um, the matchups dictate, like, I, it, it is what it is as far as I'm concerned when, when the matchups come along. It, it, Horford is unique as a defender against Embiid. Um, Tatum 
in brown present challenges for the wing the wings on on the Sixers. It's not it's not without reason, I think, for the Celtic side to come in and say, well, Harden looks nothing like the Harden or very very little like the Harden of old. Um Smart has a a, a a thing with Embiid. They always like to get in it, in it with one another. Mm-hmm. Tatum has advantages. Brown has advantages. Derek White, the, the the opportunity to to start him. We haven't really talked much about Robert Williams, but if he comes in when Embiid is out, how do you handle Robert Williams and his offensive rebounding? That is going to be, I think, a big factor in his ability to defend the rim. So, I I'd be the first person to tell you that the Celtics don't have an advantage somewhere. I just happen to think that this is this is very much in Boston's favor. As far as the number of games, I, I'm going to say six because I will say that there is a very much a possibility of the Celtics blowing one. Sorry, it's mm-hmm. not. It's <laughs> I think there's the the opportunity for the Sixers to hit a bunch of threes and and look great, or Embiid to be great. So I can I can see it going six. Um, that's that's going to be how it, how it goes. But I just. I'm, I'm really not trying to be like disrespectful to the Sixers. I just happen to think that you go across the board. I just think Boston has a lot of the advantages. No, that's the consensus. That's what it seems like from afar. Uh, when I do pay attention that Celtics are not worried about the 76ers. Now, of course, as you said, it's the fan base podcaster, you know, any type of host there is that, yeah, the Sixers don't pose very many challenges to the Boston Celtics. So, this this is this is um this is going to be very interesting to see how this one absolutely plays out, especially if the Sixers do take one in Boston. You said it earlier. You don't think that they can go into Boston and win, and uh, the first two games will will back you up on that during the regular season. And to your point of the series of the past, and very curious to see if this is a different basketball team than we've talked about in the past. This year being a little bit different on the floor. If that stuff now. Uh, shows itself in a series like this one with Embiid, of course, it's as healthy as possible out, out there on the floor. This Where do you guys think? Where won. do you guys think? Where do you think the series is going to go? Uh, I thought that I actually thought that if the if Embiid was playing before all the injury stuff, since we all felt like this would be the matchup before the Nets and the Hawks did whatever they did in the two respective series, I thought that the Sixers uh, would take it in seven. So it'd be hard to win a game seven on the road, but I just felt like this one was uh, again based on what we've seen from the Sixers a little bit different. And I I was concerned about how they played against the Celtics during the regular season. Uh, called games three and games four must win games against the Celtics, losing that third one when Tatum hit that three pointer mm-hmm. uh, to give them the three point lead and eventually the win, the fifty two four and beat in game number four. Uh, but yeah, I thought that. I thought that coming into the series, if Embiid was healthy before everything took place after game three against the Nets, that the Sixers could win in seven. You know, I, I, I think that Boston is just a bad matchup for the 76ers. I mean, you know, I think of all the teams in the NBA, this is the worst possible matchup for the Sixers. It just is. For some of all the things that you said, um, you know, I mean, to me, 
Um, I'm, I, I just look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I look at the bigs who can step out and hit shots. Um, the one guy, the one guy that people aren't talking about is is Mike Muscala, and I know he didn't get any burn or anything like that. But you got to realize something: they traded him, and like he was with the Sixers, and they was like, it wasn't really, you, you know, what I mean, it was just a. It was just crazy. The thing is, when you look at him, he's the type of big that could come out there and have a good game against the Sixers because of his ability to hit shots. And I know he hasn't been hitting them once he came here, but I just look at the Boston Celtics as a bad matchup, man. I really do. Um, I think a lot has to go right. Um, and and even before Embiid was hurt, I mean <laughs> – the, the thing was, Embiid scores, he averages 28 points on his career against Boston, but they tend to end up in like five-point losses. And you can say they're close, but when you look at it and you see where Tobias didn't get any touches and everything, they, they'll, they'll um, you know, it's, it's like it's the ingredient. Let Embiid do whatever he wants. He gets tired, and everybody else is in the locker room complaining about how many touches they didn't get, Right. Now, but here's the thing. The one thing that I, I got to I, – I, I hope that Boston isn't doing is I know the, the fan base and everybody is overlooking them. That could be the ingredient, like you say. They can still win. They can still sure. two. And then all of a sudden you have a series because of overconfidence. The one thing I'll say about this team, they, they're not as athletic as Boston. And if Boston comes to play, Boston or focus – they should win, but if they don't come out, they could they, it, it could be tough for them because this team is resilient. But I had Boston winning in six, and and that's just because I felt like the Sixers would probably go home in Game Three and win one, and then they'll probably come to Boston in Game Five and win one, just because it's like we don't want to go out like this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know. I, I just think that of all the teams, this is bad. Now, with that being said, I do believe that if the 76ers could possibly get past Boston, that they could win it all. I do. Sure. I you do. know, um, that, that's I fair. I think they're right now, they're the two best teams. But I think that Boston is just, they got too much firepower, man. Just too much, in my opinion. But the coach scares me, man, because I was watching that Atlanta series and I was like, yo, remember, D, I was like, yo, what is the dude doing? Like, <laughs> I, was a little sh- I was like, yo, this like this, this series should be over, man. What was yep. going on? What's going I, on? I will say, look, the Hawks, credit to them, man. They came and they played hard. They played fast. They put a lot of pressure on the Celtics and, and the Celtics looked a little uneasy with that speed and that athleticism. And I think that that would be a challenge, but that's not who the Sixers are. And that's, that's why I think the Celtics when when the Celtics are at their best, when they're at their best and they're playing with, with speed and they're running off of makes, that's something that I think can, can really hurt the Sixers. Doc Rivers does not put an emphasis on offensive rebounding, offensive rebounding kills, the Celtics uh, killed them in in the Atlanta series. That's not going to be as much of a factor because you know Doc wants guys to drop back. 
um, even though there uh, might be a- not not true on every case because they're the two the two that will actually do so is PJ Tucker. And um, now that Paul Reed is getting minutes, he'll also do that. And I think one game Keith and I talked about, De'Anthony Melton uh, crashes the offensive glass. So may not be as much as the Hawks do it. Uh, but in the case of those two players, they they will absolutely crash the yeah. offensive glass. And I was going to say, the, you might have some individuals who do it, mm-hmm. but I don't think – like for Atlanta, it was stylistically their choice as sure. a team to do it. Sure, I think stylistically as a choice, Doc Rivers – goes back to the 08 Celtics team. Drop back. We're not we'd rather get back on defense and play a slow grind out, stop you. We're not going to give up transition points. We're not going to get beat on fast breaks. That's just generally the Doc Rivers kind he of definitely wants to get back in transition. Yes, he does. Yeah. So 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 basically my point is it's it shouldn't be as as much of a problem for the Celtics um as it was when you had Akangu, Capella, you know, Collins just crashing the boards relentlessly. So I think some of the things that bothered the Celtics against the Hawks, they won't be here against the Sixers. But all that said, all that said, I will throw this out there. And and I mentioned before, if the Celtics aren't playing their best, if they do come out overconfident, if they come out and think, if they believe the hype, that's what's going to happen. That is there. There's no greater disparity between what a team can be and what a team is than the Celtics uh, at their best running and playing fast, sharing the ball basketball, versus the Celtics going out and playing like they they are kings of the world and everybody should lay down for them. When they try to when they play like that, they are decidedly average. And you will you will beat the Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers will beat the Celtics if that's the case. But if the Celtics are playing their best and are focused, I, I mean, I was, I've, I've said that no team is beating the Celtics at their best. The thing is, they just don't play at their best all the time. Yeah, so. if the Celtics come out, and if if Jace, if Jalen Brown, if Jalen Brown is doing what he was doing against Atlanta in the first half, and then Jason Tatum comes out in the second half and wants to take over, they're going to lose because the problem with the Celtics, if I see it. The Celtics sometimes, man, they look like an AAU team, as good as they are. They do. And what I mean is you got two McDonald's All-Americans on the court. They love each other, but they both want to be the dude. And if that happens, it's going to be a nail, um, in my opinion. Now, the, the, the thing is, like you said, if they come out overconfident and they do stuff, they're going to lose. Because, see, the one thing about that Atlanta team that gave them fits See, that Atlanta team got overconfident against the Sixers. And the Sixers, like, do you know about that game? When the Sixers rested their whole starting five? No. Man, oh. And they, and they the last game like, at the end of the regular Oh, yeah, they were stripping. Yo, they had G-leaguers out there stripping your boy, uh, Trey. And then the other dudes was getting shut down. I'm, I'm serious. Am I, am I, am I lying? They, they, they were killing them. And, and they beat them with, with – uh, a lineup of – I do remember this. I do remember The dude, it was his first game ever playing. Um, My man, uh, Mac McClung. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'll it was his first game. Yeah. And, and Lewis King didn't even play that game. And they I'll beat the it. Hawks. Seriously. They beat the Hawks. Like, And I couldn't believe that the Hawks beat the Celtics after that. But it was one of those things where you can't get confident 
against this group. And and they were down 16 and came back and beat them. They beat them in overtime. Trey Young was like getting stripped. He was getting stripped by the dude who led the G League in steals. <laughs> um, well, all right. So I guess this is a good place to just kind of wrap it up here because um, we got to see how they play. Game one can change everything. Game one can change the entire outlook of this because of the Celtics. I mean, just from my perspective, from the Boston perspective, I would hope that they keep coming out and talking about they've learned they, you know, they, they know what it takes now. They got to the finals and lost and they understand. And I didn't see it when it came time to close them, them out, close out Atlanta in five games. Now I got to see it in game one. I, I'm, I am extraordinarily confident in this team. I think the Celtics are winning a championship this year. Uh, but if they come out flat or if they come out cocky, Nope. So yeah. if your boy, if your boy is coaching the way he did against Atlanta, they ain't winning. Bro. <laughs> like, I'm telling you. I mean, like, I know you're talking about, I mean, I understand what you're talking about. You're talking about, <laughs> you're talking about like, like the state. I'm talking about the rotation. I'm talking about playing certain dudes in certain spots in the sure. fourth quarter. I was like, yo, like, why are you taking, I know you was, he was doing offense defense when Robert Williams was scoring all the points and he was taking yeah. him out. Am I right though? He would grab the rebound, take it back out, then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that's the criticism, right? I think Missoula yeah. goes a little too much by the numbers. That's that's the field thing that I've been talking about. He goes a little too by the numbers. The numbers say this. The numbers say you go with this guy and that guy, and and they that's are the best team, though. They are the best team, but they are the best sometimes team. you just gotta let them play. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, like, yo. Yeah, that that's, down, man. <laughs> that's the feel for the game that Missoula just does not have, and that yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you, I, I'm, I'm minimizing the the impact that it will have, but I, I could be wrong. Maybe, nah, maybe, man, you need a coach to win a chip, dude. You need a coach. <laughs> I mean, you need a coach. Like, you need a coach. I mean, unless you have, like, those guys are good, but they ain't all time greats yet. You know what I'm saying? Well, right. I mean, like, sure, of course, they're not quite in like that Paul Pierce category or. Or, you know, like, yeah, like, I mean, as good as these dudes are, they're not about to get their jersey retired in Boston. And and they retired a lot of jerseys. But <laughs> these dudes are good, but they're not about to get their jersey retired. So, you know, you need a coach. You need a coach to win a chip. Because the problem is, like, they could go out west, and I do think they have the best talent, but they could go out west. And he could get out coached. He could get out, uh, you know, undressed. You know what I mean? And then players get a little frustrated and guys start trying to do a little too much. Mm -hmm. And dudes are upset about their, like, yo, why he take me out, man? I'm grabbing rebounds, putting it right back up. But he took me out to bring bring the guard in who's not shooting the ball. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, like, yeah, man. Like, I'm telling you, this team is good. They the best. They got the best roster in the NBA. But they got to get coached up, man. You got to get coached up. You got to get coached up. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see what happens in game one. Uh, appreciate everybody uh, listening on both sides. Locked on Celtics side. Locked on Sixers side. Subscribe to both. Make sure you're subscribed to both. Uh, whatever podcast app you use. Also on YouTube. And uh, check us both out post game. This is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for checking out this crossover podcast on both Locked on Celtics and Locked on Sixers. We'll see you after game one.